Blog Talk Radio. This is Mike Vandervoort, and it's 9 o'clock Eastern Time on a Friday night in mid-July, and we're doing an oddly off-the-books show for Drive Through HR. I am here with my uh, fellow co-hosts, Dwayne Lay and Crystal Miller Lay. Hello, you guys. How are you tonight? Hey. Hey, hey, hey. It's Friday night. I'm feeling all right. All right. What can I say? <laughs> Yeah, you were so you were you were in on a plane earlier today, right? You were flying. That was me. I was flying. Ah. In the air like a Greek god. Like really? A, I feel like that's a little. Um... I was sitting down. The world was moving beneath me. Like how much more Greek god like can I be? Oh my gosh! And people flying were bringing me that. Flying too close to the sun. Yeah, I don't. I don't that know. You guys. Yeah, it's disturbing, Dwayne. Sorry, it's it's more than I can handle on a Friday night, apparently. So anyway, uh, but because you are mortal, I understand. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly, Icarus. And if anyone picks uh, up that, well, really nicely done. I'm gonna need yeah. to take like two steps back, so when you get smoked, I'm I don't get the blowback. Like <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Daedalus in the wings. Yes, it's 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 a cautionary tale about flying too close to the sun. So anyway, so we were going to do a show earlier today. We didn't do very many shows this week. I don't. Robin and I did none. I don't know if you guys did any at all, or if this was a dead week for us for the most part. Well, it wasn't supposed to be. We were going to have Lisa back on. Um, we were in a a really good conversation last week. By the way, you guys are going to hear tiny toddlers running through the, the house because it's after dark and that's what they do. But um, but we're supposed to have Lisa on, but unfortunately she got a migraine like right before the show. So we're going to have her back on in a couple of weeks to finish up that conversation um, about DEI and recruiting. So, But there's been a lot going on in the recruiting world, but tell us about your show. Yes, we didn't do any shows this week. So so we're actually, I think we'll actually wind up doing kind of an unusual look back into into the week before last because we didn't have a host show last week. But we, we through sheer coincidence, Crystal, um, we, you and I did show, you, Robin and I did a show at exactly the same time as you were on with Robin Erickson. So we had, <laughs> we had Dueling Robins. And, and what was even more coincidental was we had a, a guy named Paul Washington on who was from the conference board, which I listened to your show uh, with Robin last Saturday, and it was an excellent discussion. She's also with the conference board. So we were doing simultaneous shows on different channels. We re- Robin and I recorded ours on Zoom, and then I, I uploaded it later. But we actually had guests from the conference board on simultaneously on the same Tuesday last week. Um, I don't know if you want to kind of touch on a little bit about what you and Robin talked about. I thought there was some really good stuff in there with the research that they were doing and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and in fact, we're going to have her on again in a few weeks, um, a couple weeks, actually. The, the month is getting away from me. But we um, we talked a lot about what <laughs> the world post-COVID and, like, what, what we found with employment, um, sorry, what we found in employment with COVID, basically, like, what did that do? And then we saw the productivity went up, but, you know, there was definitely a cost to that in, in well-being. Yeah. And so looking at that research that Robin put out, which, by the way, if anyone hasn't seen it, you can go to our show page. It's linked there. So you can actually get it and download it and enjoy it yourself. Um, and I say enjoy it because it's, it's really nice, robust research. Um, but what I, what I really liked on, about that was they weren't trying to solve all of the problems. It was really just this is what we're seeing, and it allows companies to kind of take it and draw it in different ways into their own organizations to use it, which I think is pretty great. Yeah. Um, Robin and I talked to Paul, and Paul, Paul was – he was talking about some research the conference board had done um, around – basically around um, – Manage uh, about the 
corporations taking on social justice issues um, kind of head on and, and taking, you know, staking out positions on, on things like Black Lives Matter and many, you know, many other issues that have developed, especially Me Too and many others that have developed over the last couple of years. And, and we talked a lot about best practices, um, which, is, which are really still developing in a, in a big way. But, you know, using culture to guide some of your decisions, some of the, a, a lot of time spent on the risks of taking these kind of politicized positions, uh, why you might do it, why you might want to avoid it, things you might want to think about in terms of, uh, I guess, uh, staking out a position, whether you should involve your board, does the CEO make that decision or is, you know, is it, is it driven? Yeah. There was a lot of great information. So I was, uh, it was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised to, di- to discover that we had sort of a dual conference board research driven conversation with, you know, our, with our various host teams uh, a week ago last Tuesday and both episodes are really worth going and listening to. They were, they were great discussions. I thought yours was excellent. And, and Robin and I had a really great discussion with Paul as well. So a lot of learning. Uh, we have links to research the conference board had shared with us um, on, on the topic that we talked about as well in the show notes. So go check out, uh, drive, you know, blogtalkradio.com slash drive3hr and look at our most recent episodes, and you'll see some uh, some really up-to-date research-driven conversation and information that uh, that most HR practitioners could put to use in the workplace. So it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good week last week. This week was kind of a bust. We're in the summer months. Uh, I think I'm, summer you know, we're, we part, keep, yeah. yeah, we keep talking about hiatus in August, although I'm not sure if we'll do actual hiatus or if it'll be sort of hit and miss conversations. But yeah, we're just, uh, we're just kind of doing summer month uh, shows for right now. I wanted to talk for a minute. I have a, a, a slight pet peeve. Um, I was looking at, uh, you, you mentioned iTunes. I was looking at some of the uh, show reviews that, or um, mentions that, that some of our listeners have put up. I guess it was, might have been on iTunes or it might have been on Google. I actually am not sure where I was looking, where I was reading. Um, and we had we had a number of uh, comments about our sound quality and the production values of our show, which people were saying they love the content, but they don't really like the sound problems. Uh, and that may range from infants in the background to bad connections on our phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to mute. Actually, I feel really bad, but I do at the same time. Like when we have a show after dark, like I think we hear people's family lives. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And I guess. I think that I guess what I would say is so on that one I think that there's probably some work we need to do, you know, as as a show in trying to maybe clean up our our sound approach. Blog Talk Radio has been a been our venue and our our platform for ten years, but they, to be honest, they're not reliable. They're it's a little bit glitchy. The sound quality goes up and down, and Wow. Some of that is driven yeah. by our equipment. Some is driven by the platform. But, you know, one of these days we may need to make a leap. Uh, uh, that's a discussion for another day between the hosts. But I get that oh, point. Oh, you don't get to throw that down and then I don't get to say anything. That's not fair. Oh, no, no. I'm, just, I'm not saying don't talk back. I'm just saying, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know if that's the subject for the show. But, yeah, feel free to weigh in. No, so I think I think there's a combination of things, right? So I so I think people have to look at um, when we are not a subsidized show. So a lot of the shows that you hear on you know, like podcasts and radio shows, like they're sponsored, they're paid for by sponsors, which also then impacts what's talked about, right? So we so far as a group have made the decision not to be. Um, driven by sponsorship, which is great, but the downside of that is it's it's kind of low rent when you look at all of the tools and things that go along with that. Um, we have uh, Dwayne and I have invested in some mics. I need to get your updated addresses so we can send you some. <laughs> but so we have those. But um, but I do think people it's good to understand that like there's there's kind of a toss up when we for a trade-off when we are able to talk about whatever we want because we don't have that sponsorship. Like that's a positive for listeners, but on the other side of things, we do have, 
you know, a different sound setup. So the other piece that I think this is the piece that, you know, as hosts we'll have to get together and discuss is, you know, the way podcasting is done really has changed, right? And so it has gotten a lot more sophisticated um, using things like road soundboards and pre-recording and then, you know, drive through was really built around a live conversation factor, um, but to control the audio, the way that we do that is to pre-record. And so yep. you get you get a different um, audience engaged. At one point in time, our audience was very much a live audience. And so, you know, if we had been doing live broadcasts, um, or because we were doing live broadcasts, we could have real-time conversations. I think we've kind of gotten away from that over the years. And correct me if I'm wrong, like if you see live engagement still, that's, let me know. But for the most part, like we're looking at our stats, it looks like most of our listeners are now on downloads. So perhaps in service to them, we should consider, you know, going to pre-recording and Zoom and those kind of things. So it, there's there's certainly different ways that we can approach it. And, you know, I think if our listeners are telling us, hey, we, we'd like you to up the sound quality, quality we, can, we can do that. It just may change the way that we interact with, with the audience. Yeah, and, and, and I think that I, I agree with you like 99% um, that, that the show has moved away from the live, uh, sort of the live, the, the Twitter back channel and the live call-ins that we used to have, you know, six, seven years ago, maybe even four or five years ago. Um, the only exception to that was back in the early days of the pandemic. Robin and I ha were doing what we called the quarantini episodes. I think we had eight or nine episodes that we did at night like this, which were live. And we had guests like John Sumser and Heather Blessing and Frank Zupan and Tammy Colson and some others that were on John Hyman, and there were there was a there were some elements they, they they were shows that were driven by guests to kind of talk about what was going on with COVID, but they were also equally driven just as much by the desire to check in with our friends and and colleagues during a tough time, and so there was there was a you know sort of a small resurgence, if you will, of the live calls and sort of the Twitter back channel which was fun for a while, but it just doesn't stick. And it's really not the way podcasts work anymore to your point. So, yeah, I think we're, I think we're probably on the cusp of a transition there maybe, um, you know, but we'll, it, again, it's, you know, it, it, ultimately it's, it's conversation that we got to have and figure out how we, you know, how we want to handle that or do we go to a different platform altogether or stay with blog talk, but record live, et cetera. The, the other comment that I read, and this is one that this is basically uh, uh, my response is, yeah, go ahead and feel that way. Uh, but like, you know, kind of like tough shit, I guess. Um, so someone commented back in March. So it's been a few months ago and they were upset because one of our guests, and of course the guest wasn't named and I have no idea what the show was. One of our guests apparently referred to our the past president as being uh, mentally ill or retarded or something. Um, some comment that this this listener didn't appreciate, and they said they loved our show, but given the fact that one of our guests had demeaned President Trump, they could no longer listen, and that you know this was this was something that they just couldn't bear. And and, and to be honest. You know, I mean, I guess you're entitled to your opinion. And, and, you know, like I, I, I disagree. Um, sort of, you know, that that's a that's it. So, but but there's a bigger point for me, and that is like when we have guests on, we're here to have a conversation. We're here to present yeah. information. We're here to present different points of view. Our guests are entitled to their opinions, whether our listeners agree with them or we agree with them or not. And in fact, I would argue that one of the things that, at least for me, is really kind of a, a, a closely held principle about this show is, is that we should be prevent, presenting, not preventing, presenting divergent points of view and thought, and that the last thing that you should want from a podcast is some neutral, safe, non, you know, group of conversations and, and speakers and, and discussions 
that don't take opinions or don't don't hold divergent thought. And so, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll fondly bid whoever that uh, anonymous critic was adieu, and they can go off and listen to you know, other shows because this show, at least from my my perspective, is not cut out for that kind of stuff. You know, if that's what they're looking for, we're not the right place for them to listen. So I just, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, it was like, man, if you're listening to this stuff, you got to expect to have it, you know, some, some, some you're not going to agree with everything and you shouldn't, but anyway, it just, it, yeah, it got under my skin. So anyway, I'm done with my well, soapbox. <laughs> well, in the, all I can think of is um, the, uh, from the movie clerks, when the the person gets really mad at the video store and storms out, it's like I'm not gonna <laughs> rent here anymore. And Randall doesn't even look up because you will be missed. So I'm oh. uh, I, I'm 100% with you. Look, we don't we are not a politics show, um, but we are a show where sometimes politics comes up. We don't screen our guests as to which way they lean, um, and that's okay. And Mike, to your point, I think we've done a pretty good job. Not just not just us. But everyone who has sat in this captain's chair, I think, has done a pretty good job of, like, letting people speak their mind. Yeah. And, and we get a little colorful sometimes, and that's okay. Um, but it's certainly not a left wing or right wing or whatever, you know, show where we're going to sit and continually bash one president versus another or tell you how great somebody is. Like we might do some of those things, um, probably you know, in the course of conversation, but that's not that's not, I don't think, an issue for most people. Um, you know, I've always thought that um, John Stewart was the best interviewer on TV and the best I've ever seen at being able to speak on both sides and ask good questions. And but it never stopped him from having great conversations and interviews with people who had very different ideologies. Um, right. And I think that's kind of where we want to be, like. I don't, I don't ever recall discussing my particular politics on the show, but people who know me can guess what they are, and that's okay. Um, but I can sit and have a conversation with anybody. So if you're offended by something you hear on this show, chances are you'll be offended by something you hear on the next one. Um, so if you can't handle that, uh, so be it. However, I would also say if you're one of those listeners and you work in the HR space and you hear something and, and you, you take umbrage with it, Drop us a line and let us know because we would love to have you come on and, and kind of talk to the other side. You know, that's why we're here is for conversations to your point. Yep. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I'm probably a little more open on my politics. You know, I'll say things like I'm not a fan of the the previous guy and, and that sort yep. of thing. You know, I wear it up on my sleeve a little bit, but, but honestly, yeah, I agree with you, Dwayne, hundred percent. We're not here to bash you know, or, or promote really either one. We spend a lot of time talking about like the impact of legal, you know, case law with the NLRB in my case or whatever, or, you know, legal, you know, there's a lot, I mean, we present a lot of good information and it's bound to strain into politics or stray into politics sometimes, but we're really not at all about taking positions. I mean, we all have our own beliefs. We're all entitled to those. Um, You know, I think most of the hosts here probably lean to the left a little um, but what? you know that, that that's uh, you know and and I think that varies depending on the topic and the and the the issue that you're talking about too because I'm more conservative on some business issues than I am on social issues for example. But yeah, you, well, you, our goal yeah. is not to talk politics here; it's to present useful yeah. HR uh, learning and discussion and anyway. So yeah, leave so, leave you know if you're a listener, leave your politics at home as well and try to keep an open mind and. I think you'll find a lot of good stuff here. And if you can't do that, then go find another show that suits you better, I guess. Yeah, I would, I would say like, let's, we can dip into politics just for a second. We won't talk about anybody in particular, but for anybody point there that the guests are all kind of left leaning, let me be real clear about something. Like I've been a lifelong uh, social liberal Democrat. Crystal is a lifelong Republican. So we we really do have. I'm not anymore, but I, I was up until, the last four years, but the Republican Party Well, but the point is, like, I wouldn't call you left-leaning, right? Uh, I, I think it probably depends You're on completely not supporting my – I was trying to give you some credit 
So to the listeners, I apologize for trying to give Chris credit for, for not being one of us. <laughs> I mean, I, and maybe and I, Dwayne, I apologize for causing strife in your marriage on a Friday night as well. <laughs> oh, no, you haven't at all. No. I was just thinking, like, if you asked my Republican friends, um, if you asked my Republican I don't know if I have a lot of Republican friends at this point, but if you ask the people that I know that are Republican who know me, they would probably say I'm not Republican. But but I've always classified myself as a um, con- fiscal conservative mm-hmm. and liberal social. So I've always kind of felt like I was more moderate. But because of the fiscal policies, the Republican Party leaned a little bit more closer to what I needed as a business owner. It works for me. But there's a point yep. where I think in any anyone's life, you have to look and say, Yep, there are benefits here, but at what cost? And it was funny. I was well, funny is not the right word, but it was interesting. I was talking to my son-in-law today on the way to the airport, and we were talking about um, Jeff Bezos and the amount of money that he has, and how he wouldn't be able to have that same wealth in uh, some of the other countries in the world because they have laws against the exploitation of workers, which is really what you have to do to amass that kind of wealth. Mm-hmm. Right, and so. You know, not to pick on him, good on him, I guess, for, you know, like being able to, to create something. I, I have a lot of respect for the, the entity that he was able to build. But, but there is a point where you have to say, like, if my politics are hurting other people, are they good politics to have? Are they good? Is it a good belief system to have? Is it a good way to be? And I don't think enough people do that on, on either side of the aisle, really, but um, that's my opinion. Yep. Excellent. It sounds like you are a Reagan Republican these days. So probably. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough that about politics. Time, it, <laughs> I was I was trying to do some research on the show and what people were thinking, and some of the stuff was you know very telling related to sound and quality, which matters to me, and the other was just like it just annoyed me. So. I, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's enough about that. Um, there are some really interesting news stories I thought this week. I sent a couple earlier. There are a couple others. Robin had one. I'll throw Robin's out since she's not with us. She's off curing racism, one racist at a time, based on what I'm seeing on Facebook. She keeps telling people stop talking about that that way in bars in Baton Rouge, which is brave. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, don't don't use the N word was the other day and tonight it was it was something else and uh, who knows what it'll be over the weekend but good good for Robin. Um, Robin raised you know Robin has a fascination with conservative religion. She she tends to read a lot of forums about uh, how women in conservative religions live their lives and that kind of stuff and she said that she saw somewhere that a colleague of in HR in Louisiana, and I don't know if it was Baton Rouge specifically or just the state of Louisiana somewhere, had posted in a forum that they were thrilled to have gone to work at an employer where they open every day at the company with prayer, where they open every meeting that they hold at the company with prayer, and that they actually pray for the best candidates to fill their open requisitions. And that's a lot of praying in the workplace. Is that a completely voluntary thing? Like, so so I I have to feel like I'm I'm of a couple of minds of this. Like one, you know, so, so fun fact, um, when I was, was quite young, um, comparative to where I am now, I was an early teenager. We got to spend time with the, the guy who was, um, at the center of the separation of school and, and church um, issue, mm-hmm. right? Which then mm-hmm. led into work. So this is actually relevant. But um, but his mother was the one that actually pushed it all forward. Um, but it was because he didn't want to have to pray in school. And so, um, so you know, like I remember sitting in church listening to this guy talk about all of this stuff, and I thought, you know, like if you want to pray, you should be able to pray. But but the key word there is if you want to pray, right? Like the school shouldn't force you to do it. Your job shouldn't force you to do it. Like you shouldn't be forced um, to 
to basically go along with religion, yours or anyone else's. And I think that's, a, you know, without getting super into religion, that is part of, I think, the tenets of Christianity is that there's supposed to be free will there. So I have a real problem when your workplace is saying you have to do this or everyone is doing it. And therefore, if you don't do it, there's an exclusionary piece, like the, the belonging piece is corrupted. So I guess my question would be, like, if everyone there, do they happen to be practicing the same religion and therefore these prayers are like, super awesome for everyone because they're all of the same religion and of the same religious fervor or is this like some group of people at the company have decided this is what everyone is going to do and therefore everyone is indoctrinated into a practice they don't fully ascribe to yeah so so the to be honest the, the there was a long discussion on facebook about issues related to that question and several others um i don't know that it was completely clear what the um, the mandatory or voluntary nature of the participation was, you know, there's a lot of discussion about what if you're a Muslim or a Jew. Or a, and, and, and to be fair, I believe that the organization was a, a religious based business. I mean, so there, you know, there, there was some, there was some business relevance to their, to their uh, position on praying, I guess. Um, one of the, so I, I can't answer your question. Uh, one of the questions that a number of people asked was, um, you know, it, was it discriminatory to expect someone to have to pray? Um, you know, because there are plenty of religious organizations that, that have strong and there, you know, there's some legal, there's some legal exceptions to, uh, for, for, for religious based businesses. Uh, nonprofits, healthcare, that kind of stuff, who who have certain special requirements about your, you know, the the way you conduct yourself related to your religion in the workplace. Um, there are exceptions that are legal. Um, it, it was it was a huge discussion about whether it was appropriate or not, and I, you know, it kind of went all over the map. Um, I don't think that there was ever any true consensus about it. I was just more fascinated by the. Uh, I guess the thing that fascinated me was that the HR person said this is like one of the greatest ex that Robin was talking about or that Robin referred to said something along the lines of this was like one of the greatest experiences of her life to have this religious aspect in the work, you know, in the workplace and, and to have these prayer meetings and stuff, you know, and it just, you know, it, uh, my reaction to that would, would be completely opposite um, that it would be really difficult to kind of participate in those sorts of activities and, you know, feel, feel comfortable, et cetera. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I just thought it was a really interesting sort of dynamic that, you know, uh, a person starting a new HR job thought this was like the greatest experience she'd ever had. And I'm assuming that her, her Christian values must be very important part of her life and, probably a very conservative aspect of her life, but, you know, don't know the person. Well, don't know. The person. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, if, and if that's the case and that's good for her and the people around her that are engaging with it. I think that's great. Like there, there's room for people to be who they are. The trick is you got to let everybody be who they are. And that's right. if you're going to prayer meetings, then and and like honor that piece of yourself at work um i'm assuming this is a fairly small business because that doesn't really tend to work at scale um then then you also have to embrace and respect those whose beliefs are different than yours and i phrase that very carefully because i think there is a a general um consensus uh that if you're atheist or if you're agnostic you don't have beliefs and that's simply not true you, right. you believe that there isn't a god there isn't a religion They're like it's it's not a thing for you and people shouldn't have to become uh, like i think the whole reason for their statements is that the religion is um in general I'm, I'm getting a very strong look from Dwayne, so i must be wading into some muddy waters but it's because they weren't respected um, when they said they didn't believe in God. And so, like, that is a belief. And so the challenge that I have with, with organizations that are not churches, right, like, because I, I get it, like, you want the people to work in your church to kind of follow the same beliefs that you do, and, and I understand that. 
But but outside of that, like if you're going to bring religion in, you have to respect everyone's beliefs, not just your own. And and some companies are better at doing that than others. And I I, <laughs> I can see Dwayne switching now, so I'm going to hand him the. No no no! I think this is very much one of those things that that I won't share my opinions. Okay. Uh, based on our politics discussion earlier, um, you know this is. It, I would say that my opinions are, are probably a little further afield than most uh, on this particular topic. So I think that um, if if there's a workplace that does that and the people who are there like it, great. I, I think if, I think about it the same way I think about Amazon. They have a very distinct workplace culture. It's not for everyone. It works for them. So if that works for the people who are there, fabulous. But you're you are deliberately setting up workplace that there will be people who opt out because of the way you do it and that's okay if you're running that company and that's what you want fabulous by its obvious well that's okay as long as you're a privately held company right uh i'm not talking about the legal side of it i'm talking about you know the the whole idea about we're going to set our workplace up to incorporate religion and prayer into it that's okay like yeah there's a legal aspect absolutely i'm not talking about that and, and then the 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 other, and this is a joke, um, probably a, an untasteful joke, but I'll tell it anyway. The other so side of it, is, at this point, it, with the way the la- the labor shortages exist in the economy, may, maybe praying for over each job opening uh, and requisition <laughs> is as valid an approach as any other that people are trying, including signing bonuses and others. So um, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Here, right? hey, there it is. Well done. Maybe I'm missing the boat entirely. We'll see. I'd like to see their. I'd like to see their their fill rates and and other things and see if it if it's I wonder given if them. Where they pray over some and not others and just see if they have any difference. I <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know we're bad. We're sorry. You know. Please. No, it's, isn't that. In, sorry, now we're going to go. Isn't that kind of akin to the hiring manager that, like, separates resumes in a throw pot in two piles and throws one away so they weed out all the unlucky people? <laughs> do people do that? I know at least one that did it, yeah. <laughs> so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Look, so, so I think everybody who wants to share what they are is, is great and what they're not and what they believe in and what they don't. Like, that's fine. Everyone should be able to do it. Personally, I believe in God. I have never made my employees pray. Uh, largely just because I, I believe in that little line in the Bible that says it's free will is an important thing, right? Like, and so, you know, you're supposed to have free will to choose whether or not you want to believe and whether or not you want to practice faith. And, and that if you make your employees do those things, uh, whether it's because you believe that they're all interested in it or not, uh, I do question whether or not there's truly free will. It's, there's a duress element there that, that, just, that exists. And so I don't, I don't know if that's the route that I wish, but I do know that's not the route that I would go with my company, but I, I don't I don't begrudge anyone who has taken the time to find out what their employees think and, and build the culture around that um, that ability to do so if they choose. So yeah. we're waiting for all the fun topics tonight. <laughs> yeah, and that's legit. You know, if, if, if you've built a culture that that's a strong value for you, strong part of your culture and people are willing, they want to jump in on it and be part of that organization, then, you know, that's fine. There's, there's certainly an inherent risk of some discrimination or some exclusion or some loss of talent, but, you know, maybe, maybe that works. And as long as you're not intentionally breaking the law, I guess it's, you know, to your point, Crystal, it's a voluntary decision. And if that works for, for, for a business owner, that that's okay with me too, even though I, you know, I, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work for me in terms of attracting me as talent that would be part of that group. But that that's my choice to opt out because of their position on you know praying, whatever. So yeah, but it's I thought it was yeah. an interesting discussion, and you know it it was a it was an interesting discussion to follow on Facebook when Robin brought it up as well. So I wanted to mention it here tonight as well. So yeah, no, I mean that is fascinating. I'd be really interested to know like do they do they tell people that before they come on board or is that something that, that's sprung on them afterwards? Like how does that really work out? There's a lot of interesting facets to that, but before we move, move off of workers and culture, um, one of the things that I saw this week today, I think um, was about Burger King. Did you see the story hmm. of um, Burger? So, I did. I have opinions on this. 
<laughs> okay. Go ahead. Well, so I saw the sign, we quit, you know, this job sucks, whatever it was. Um, it's one of, you know, I don't know hundreds of these things, you know, and there, there's a variety of signs, right? There are signs about this place sucks and we quit this. There are signs that say this place sucks and we're on strike. There are signs from frustrated business owners who put out, you know, nobody wants to work government handouts, yada, yada, yada. I mean, just, you know, just a variety of, I don't know, kind of like sob stories. And, and, and to be honest with you, the, the opinion I have is I'm really over all the signs and all the posters and all the people who are doing all the drama queen stuff about they can't hire people or they can't work there. It just, it's getting old. I, I, I don't know. You know, they, they go, they, yeah, get off my lawn, damn it. I'm tired of reading the signs, I guess. So, so, so I think so there's a few things that I think that with us, like one, it's it's funny to see on Facebook to some extent. Like it's it's interesting to see the the gifts or gifts, however you want to pronounce it. Yes, it's pronounced gifts. Oh, he says it's just the dude that made it. Says gifts. Is he a linguist? No, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Got it. I mean, people can name their kids the wrong and like pronounce it the wrong way. Why can't you name your name image anyway? Where's the G? That's for? totally. Let's like look. We're Go not. Graphical. We're we're not going to get into this. But anyway, so the point is, like, it's interesting to see all of those things um, online, but but when you take it to a real individual level, like, people, you are not doing yourselves any favors with conducting yourselves in that way. Because the reality is, yes, you can say you quit, but when you quit and mess with their property, like, that's going to come back on you the next job you try to get. Guaranteed right. they will say are not eligible for rehire and there's a lot of off the record conversation that goes on in background checking and referrals so probably not the plan that I would go with as an individual worker that said what I do think is happening and what I am here for to some extent is is this is really indicative of almost like the pendulum, like people are starting to want to push the pendulum the other way. Like we are tired of feeling exploited. We are tired of not being heard. We are tired of being assets that are treated like machinery rather than people. Like there's some real issues behind these signs that I'm glad that workers are starting to push because until they do, things won't change. And some things need to change. Like it is not okay to hire a 30-year-old person and pay them $7 an hour and say, well, it's your fault that you work here, and so it, you should be happy that you don't make a living wage. Bullshit. Sorry, I don't cuss a lot on this show, but bullshit. I did because I mean it that much. Like, if you're going to employ someone that is over the age of 18, then I think you have a responsibility to make sure that that person can live, not be wealthy necessarily, but isn't wondering if they're going to live in their car the next month. Like that's messed up. And the companies that are doing this have CEOs that have increases in their salary, in some cases of 200% in the pandemic. Through you guys. Like that's messed up. That I agree with you 100%. I don't know if this number is, you know, extremely valid, but I saw a meme that said if a if a worker in America today earns a dollar, whatever their CE the average rate that their CEO earns is $299. So it's essentially yeah. just under 300 to $1 on a, you know, on a scale for And and you know what um whether you're a Burger King employee or a Publix employee or a General Motors employee, I mean, there's no, there's no rules or regulations re- relative to CEO, you know, scale no. or whatever. What you know that I mean that it's it, it, it is what it is. But your point is 100% correct. You know, these people that are trying to pay still, you know, ten dollars, eleven dollars, whatever it is, that are you know barely 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 allowing people to survive expecting people to, to kind of come back to um, 
to a circumstance, uh, work circumstance that is radically different than it was before COVID hit us. They're, they're missing the boat. It's not going to work. They're, you know, their sad notes in the windows are not the solution. It's not government handouts. I mean, that's, that may be a factor, but it's only one of many. And it's, I don't believe it's actually real at this point. I don't think people are still on unemployment. Um, I think they're choosing to do different things or prioritizing things over money uh, at a much higher rate than they are staying on unemployment through the end of July or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that the, the increase in unemployment because of COVID helped. But what I think the pandemic taught people is, like, you can find ways to get by because they've had yep. to. And they're not willing to go back to work to yep. to minimum wage, below poverty level, for really difficult, hard jobs. Yeah, and right. so I was I, – I muted us just for a second because I'm like, this is turning into a very pro-labor union type conversation, which it isn't really, but it doesn't need to be because you're getting the same thing. Like, you don't have an organized union, like, who's driving this stuff. But you do have enough of a movement in the workers of America to see that, like, it's 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 pretty powerful. Yep. Yeah, so. and yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree. Um, it and it's it's uh, the child care credit payment started going out today as well, three hundred dollars yep. a month for you know. So there's that's going to be another sad tale of woe for business owners, I guess. Where now. We're giving them more people more money to stay home on the government dole, et cetera, et cetera. And it, and to use your term, Crystal, that I think that's bullshit. Um, people have made well, different choices anyway. So. so what I think is really interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up. What I think is really interesting about that is it's been put in that instead of a tax credit, for those who haven't seen this, is actually a payment of $300, right? And right. tax credit is the same amount that you would get. They're, funding, year, they're which pre-funding is, a tax credit, right? It's, I, I think that's exactly is the exact definition of yeah. it. So they're paying a tax credit. Yeah. So um, uh, NPR this morning actually pointed out that this is very much a baby step towards a universal basic income. Yeah. And it's much more impactful to put that money in someone's account than to give them a tax credit once a mm. year. But, but what needs to go along with that is education because I will say like Lindsay um, my daughter works for uh, works for me and um, and she's getting this tax credit because she has young children whom some of you have heard on the show tonight and so you know I was asking I was like okay so what are you going to do with this money like are you going to invest it in the kids are you putting it to savings like what's your plan things parents ask right and so she was like uh, no I can't spend it what do you mean? And she said, well, it, it, it offsets the taxes that I have to pay. Like, we need that tax credit to not owe taxes. And so I don't really understand all of that. I don't get into her taxes. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, that's great. But but so I was like, so are you sure? <laughs> like, have you done any Because it didn't really make any sense to me. I know what she makes, and she makes more than poverty level, obviously, but she's not wealthy. And and so I think this thing is supposed to scale up to like $75,000 or something before there's any kind of implication there. I don't know. I don't have small children, so I don't qualify for it. But I I was like, maybe you should should do some modeling and some looking at this to see if if you're right. And, and what's interesting is after she said that, I went and did a little poking online, and there's a lot of people afraid to use this money because they're afraid they're going to have to pay it back come tax season. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to do a little bit of education. And I wonder, you know, do employers have any responsibility to educate their workers around the taxes that they have to pay associated with the wages that they're, you know, the wages, okay, because it all goes back to what you're paid. So, like, just like we're in school and we're supposed to learn the basics of finance so we don't screw up our checking accounts when we're growing up. I don't think that worked well for anybody. But but just kind of along those same lines, should we offer as part of wellness or, you know, employee assistance or something, some basic, you know, tax education around all of these changes that are happening with the tax codes associated with the wages that are being paid out? Yeah, it's an interesting question, and I bet a lot of employers will choose to shy away from it. I think you're right. <laughs> well, it's probably, I'm going to guess there's some liability. If you're the one teaching people how to handle their taxes and it gets screwed up, they're yep. going to say, you told me 
Oh, see, I think if you're smart, you, you take the stuff that's on the IRS website and you pop it on some PowerPoints and you make sure that your employees look at it. Like, because then it's not tax information coming from you. And, and yeah. God knows we have enough disclaimers on applications and ATS systems and onboarding paperwork where we can basically disclaimer our way out of pretty much everything. So why could you not in educating your workers? I don't know. I think we're talking a lot about things like equity and belonging in organizations. And I think that's a great thing. But in order to make it more than a talking point on your website or the shiny title that the new person that you hired to show that you're like forward thinking, um, I think you have to actually back that up with things that A, increase belonging in your organization and B, show that you actually care about the overall well-being of your employees. And the way that their money is utilized, I don't mean the way they spend it, but like our tax implications and things like that around wages, like that's, that's part of the employment experience. They don't yeah. have that experience if they're not employed. <laughs> you know, like not to the same yeah. degree. So I don't know. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think it's a great call out. I don't know what most companies would do with it. Um, Cause it, there is probably some, you know, some inherent blame if you get it wrong. Um, but it would be, if there was some guidance that you could share that it would probably be helpful. Um, not you individually, obviously, Crystal, but as an employer. Sure. Well, um, yeah, me and the, as an employer, like I have that same responsibility, I think, as everyone else does. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. But, um, but that being said, like, I think there's a lot more that we can do. I think the bottom line is whether it's around the $300 payroll, um, or sorry, child tax payments, or, you know, any of the other myriad of changes associated with our tax code and health care and it's open enrollment season coming up and all of these things. Like, there's a lot of education that you could give your employees that would help them be better overall um, and certainly feel more cared for, right? Yep. Then here's the 146 pages of crap that you can read and then please take a health care plan by September 20th or whatever. We, I don't know what's going to happen ultimately, but we may have like uh, a complete um, shit show headed our way with um, if the, if the Democrats pass this $3.5 trillion, um, you know, budget um, that item, the, you know, a massive changes on many, many, many things, not just taxes, many, many, many things. Um, you know, if they pass it through reconciliation, as it appears they're going to try to do in the next couple of weeks, um, this this little tax credit is going to be like the least of our worries. I'm not predicting disaster yeah. from the Democratic bill. There's just like a ton of stuff in there that nobody even understands what it is yet. So um, there's a mess well, mess coming. Yeah, besides to not understanding what it mean what it is yet means it's probably going to be really hard to implement. So yeah. that's my that's my because honestly, this terrifies me. <laughs> I call it yeah. Republicanism, but it, it, yeah, the financial piece of that bill is, is truly terrifying. Well, I'm all for it. Of course. And I want to speak out very strongly on this point because I don't know if you've read the bill, but I have not, just like most of our city and Congress people have not and will not. So and, and I am and you support everything in it. <laughs> this is how we roll now. <laughs> yep. just, just pass it. it. It looks good. It's three and a half trillion dollars. It's going to make a difference. Let's do it. I'm um, all the right? Yep. We have 11 minutes, 10 minutes and 58 seconds now. I saw this fast. I shared it this morning, Crystal. I don't know if you had a chance to view it. I saw this fascinating uh, TikTok video. So it's a 60 second TikTok. All right. Video. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'd like to have my own little get off my lawn moment here. There's no okay. thing as a fascinating TikTok video. Stop yes, it. there is. Yes, there is. It is such a time suck. That channel is no. such a time suck. No. And I love that you can do recruitment marketing there now. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, this woman whose name unknown raised the, the thought um, that one of the reasons that we don't have the labor, one of the reasons that we're having the labor shortage that we are experiencing is super obvious and not being mentioned by anyone. 
and it and it's highly depressing what she, her what she calls out it's the fact that 600,000 people plus died of covid and several hundred thousand more are disabled from covid long haul to the point that they may never be able to work again so we may have like a million people ish as a direct result of the covid virus who've exited the work the labor pool since since so, you know since march right and so I and that, that. I, and i'm well, like you know that makes a lot of sense well it's uh, okay so the cynical part yes and the cynical part of me says all right that's an oversimplification of the numbers yep because several like a large a large percentage of that number were people who were already out of the workforce. Okay. And and so, you know, and I think that's important because it is too easy for employers to give themselves a pass and say, Oh, it's not because we have a reputation of overworking our employees and not well, giving them like requiring lots of equipment that they have to pay for themselves and trying to screw them out of overtime and 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 Right. So like if they can say, oh, well, it's because all these people died and that's why we're not getting applicants. Like, yeah, it is depressing, but it also gives them a pass. And the reality is like I'd have to go back and look at the numbers to know the percentage. But if I remember correctly, it's like north of 20 percent of the people that have died were people that were like 78 years old. Okay. So they weren't working anyway. Yep. Right. And then I don't know what percentage underneath that was like 55 plus. But I, I suspect it, it's not an insignificant number. So if you if you take the people that are out of the workplace anyway, it is still a very large number that clearly has an impact. But it's not like, oh, we're half a million shy on jobs yeah. and we had half a million people die. So therefore, it's a one-to-one thing. Like, it is definitely not. Yeah, not so, that. I, I, I just thought it was an interesting point that no one, you know, all the other sob stories, the taxes and everything, no one's raising the fact that, yeah, a lot of workers are just dead for terrible yeah. reasons. And, well, and, yeah. and it's hitting us hard here. Imagine what it's like in India right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, and, and, and some of the other countries that we, that we utilize for support, you know, like we <laughs> – we have significant, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's more like a, like, oh my gosh, it's mind boggling to think about like how hard this has hit some other countries. And we're just bebop over in here bitching about whether or not we have to wear a mask. Yeah. And, and can we get somebody to, somebody to clean our house or do our pool or whatever? And um, don't pass me my Florida or whatever. Good Lord. But, <laughs> Um, yeah, there was an article. There was an article in in the, uh, some magazine. The the pe- people in the Hamptons are learning how to do gardening on their own for the first time. They're figuring out how to plant plants next to their pool because they can't find anyone to do it for them. <laughs> I was like, I could teach a master class on that. I've planted a lot of plants. Not just, anyway. so, we're we're a weird country for sure. Um, God. Yep. Six Sorry. minutes. It's all right. No, it's it's Friday night, almost ten o'clock. It, you know, we're entitled to laugh. The the last story that I sent you guys I thought was fascinating was uh Netflix executives in marketing being fired oh, for having a yes. Having a private yeah. discussion about their boss on Facebook or no, I'm sorry, on Slack and because they have a culture of candid candid I forget what it's called. It's radical candor, I guess. They follow that the principles of that. Radical transparency, yeah. Yeah, radical I transparency. I have opinions on this. This is crazy. So, so let me just finish the sta- this statement, and then I'll turn okay. it over to you. Um, so the, 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 the direct, their boss didn't want to fire them because he didn't see anything necessarily wrong with them having a private conversation. But the, the larger culture and other managers took over and said, look, if we really have radical transparency – there's no need to have a private conversation, and therefore we, you know, they've broken our rules, violated our cultural principles, and these three guys are fired. Um, so, which, and I was, 
So if that was hourly employees, it would be illegal because they would be covered under the National Labor Relations Act. But because they were managers, it's not illegal per se, but I really question whether it's even in a culture of radical transparency, whether it was the right decision. So what are your opinions? So A, I almost want to place bets on how quickly these people lawyer up. And yep. so, so there's that. But, but because here's why. So on the one hand, they say it's a private conversation. Well, it couldn't have been completely private because somebody managed to find it and send it in. So, right. so there's that piece of it. B, how freaking big brother is that? Like <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm not a Netflix employee and I was considering Netflix as an employer and I see that they're going through my private Slack messages, like even if I know they can, right? And we all know we should all, we should all. Yeah, there's fine print, uh, there's fine print somewhere that says that they can for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like there should not be an expectation of privacy in conversations at work. Like there just shouldn't be, but uh, not on not on electronic communication. But even so, like if I saw that, I'd be like, no way, no way. If somebody has enough time to go through my Slack messages, like this is, and and then get me fired over it, I don't want to work there. So I, I wonder if this is going to hurt them more than help them. But but that being said, like. They're also massively hypocritical about this. So on the one hand, we have this radical transparency culture, and these people were griping about Bosma, and so therefore, you know, and whatever, and, and it wasn't like they wouldn't have said that to her face. Well, A, you don't know that. Right. You know whether they would have said that or not. But B, we don't know who those managers are, right? Like, so a group of them get together and decide, no, we should fire them. Well, they're, they, they're not, like, they're not coming forward. The conversation didn't take place in front of the rest of the company. They're right. Not radically transparent. Right. Like, there's a ton of non-radically transparent conversations <laughs> that happen in every organization, no matter how transparent you claim to be. This feels very Rackspace-esque. But. Well, so I, I don't. I'm not sure why the Rackspace thing came in. I, because they, that's, that's my turn to talk. So it's okay. Tell me later. Um, and now you tried to make me forget what I was going to say. It didn't, okay. it didn't work. What I picture is Netflix wants to build up a roster of Jim Carrey from Yes Man. Or not Yes Man. From um, <laughs> what was the movie where he wasn't allowed to lie? Liar, liar. Liar, liar. Yeah, thank you. It's a roster of Jim Carrey's from Liar, Liar. Like, that kind of radical transparency is really damaging to people's psyche. Nobody <laughs> wants it when they walk in the door and go, hey, you look terrible today. Hey, your hair's a mess. Hey, it's kind of losing weight. Right. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to have that kind of radical transparency in their face when they go to work. Our, our society is built on lies. It's built on lies that society requires us to tell each other because we're civilized. Right? He said, no, I think that cold looks fine on you. You know what? I'm just really glad to be here. Thank you for the feedback. It's really helpful. You don't look fat in those pants. Yeah. Sorry. So I'm just saying, like, nobody really wants that. And there has to be room in every workplace for people to have side conversations, blow off a little steam, so they don't go trash relationships that they need to function as a company. Mm -hmm. Well, and also blowing up steam, particularly while we're working remotely. Like, the reality is, had everyone been in the office, it may have been easier to have some of these radically transparent conversations that they want. But when you're working remotely, that's really difficult to do. So what are they supposed to do? Put somebody on blast and main channel on blast? Like, that's <laughs> ridiculous. And it would kill productivity. It's such a stupid thing. But, but that being said, like, if you're going to fire an employee for a lack of radical transparency – with the decision that led to that firing was also not radically transparent, you're being hypocritical and you're damaging your brand. Now, Netflix is a big enough brand. People are still going to want to go to work for them at the end of the day. It's not going to really kill them one way or the other. But, but it's still super gross for the people that already work for you. Like we, we talk a lot about employer brand and from this perspective of people that we're going to be hiring, but <laughs> but it also impacts the people that are currently there. And I think in this particular instance, this is probably more damaging to the current employees than the future ones. Agreed. Agreed. We have 17 yeah. seconds left before the public show ends. So um, 
in a second. Good. Well, so good fascinating. Good I'm thought. really glad we. I'm really glad we got to do a show tonight. I was dying to talk about some of this stuff for once. So it was fun. <laughs> Appreciate you guys well, jumping Friday, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe nighttime shows on Friday are the answer. I don't know. Anyway, have a there good week. <laughs> it was, and I will talk to you guys next week. All right. All right. Bye, See you later. Take care. Night.